It is with grateful hearts, I'm sure, that we each are assembled and gathered this morning in light of the difficulties and sometimes the matters that take place about us in this life and in this world, things that seem so tragic and so hurtful, things that seem so at times overwhelming even. In fact, as we each are well aware, and as Brother Ted announced for us just a moment ago again about the Crossman family and the, the loss of Darren this week on Wednesday in a very tragic work-related accident, in fact, that family has made a request that we as a congregation make a prayer on their behalf. And I'd like to invite you to go with me to our Heavenly Father on their behalf at this time, please. Our marvelous and wise Father in Heaven, we come before Thee this morning. Our hearts thankful for so many blessings that we feel on a daily basis from Thy bountiful hand. Father, we admire and adore and honor Thee. And Father, it's always our desire to lift Thee up and magnify Thy cause and Thy kingdom. We know, O oh Father, oftentimes that things take place in this life. And at this time, our hearts rush to the Crossman family. We pray for the family of Darren Crossman. We know, Father, that they are struggling mightily at this point and at this time with the loss, with the element of grief that's filled their heart. We pray, O oh Father, that Thou would wrap Thy arms of comfort and assistance about them at this time. Be with Wayne and Aileen. Be with Tammy and Darren's children. We pray they would be with the other members of that family at this time in this difficult occasion for them. We pray they would help them to lean upon Thee as they lean upon one another. We pray, Father, that Thou would assist them and help them even in ways beyond which we can easily describe. We know, Father, that as we are aware of them and we love and appreciate that family, that we pray, Father, that they would be encouraged and strengthened in ways that only Thou can do. For we know that Thou art indeed the God of all comfort even as the Apostle Paul stated so long ago. We know, Father, there are other families in days gone by that have lost their loved ones. And even as we continue to pray upon their behalf, we lift up each and every one of them in our thoughts at this time, desiring to only, Father, ask that Thou would be with them. Help them that their faith might be strong, that their courage and strengthening might in fact be evident, and that they might come to rest and lean upon Thee for the only way of strong support through this time of their difficult loss. We pray, Father, that would bless our church here at Pippin, continue to be with our eldership as they guide and lead us, and help each of us strive to walk day by day, hand in hand with Thee. We ask now, Father, that would bless us in this time of our service today, that all may be done in a way that brings glory and exaltation to Thy cause. It is in the name of Jesus, Thy Son and our Savior, we ask it all. Amen. It seems entirely appropriate that the title of the lesson today is Prayer for Each Other. Isn't it amazing sometimes that we reach that point in life, we reach that particular occurrence and time in which truly we are so thankful and in many ways so needful for the prayers of our fellow brothers and our sisters in Christ. For those reasons, in fact, the title of that lesson is in fact what I just mentioned and I made the selection for that title before Wednesday. So all that timing, in fact, has happened in a rather fortuitous way in many ways. But nonetheless, it was always needful even without that. We noticed in a series of lessons about six weeks ago the reality of the fellowship that we enjoy in Christ. The fellowship that, in fact, is cemented in something as strong as the blood of Christ. A fellowship in which Christ has purchased the ecclesia those called out of the world into a covenant relationship with God. That's you and that's me. 
We have been purchased out of a world under the clutches of sin and from the devil himself into a fellowship with God and with one another. 1 John 1 verses 5, 6, and 7 highlight the degree of that fellowship in a way that is almost marvelous in its character. It is with all that in mind that I would invite you to consider with me for the next few moments this morning some extended thoughts about prayer for one another. As we do that and as we consider that, it might be well to begin our lesson by highlighting just how strong an emphasis the New Testament places upon prayer itself. The reality of it, the power of it, the needfulness of it, and the place of it. We each know very well, and we need no reminder from me, that this life is filled with its hardships. It's filled with its great decisions. It's filled with its difficulties. It's filled with momentous choices. We need a power stronger than we to make the right ones. And we need a power stronger than we to help fortify our faith in such a way that we can hurdle over those successfully and emerge victorious. No wonder Paul stated in Philippians 2.15 about the fact that it was his prayer for the Philippians that they might appear blameless and powerful before the eyes of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom he may shine his lights in the world. Satan wants nothing better than to quench the spirit of power and light in your life and mine. He wants nothing but to blow out that candle so that we are nothing but a cold, dark, lifeless, spiritual ember. But rather, God wants us to shine His lights in this world so that others may see His glory and goodness and that we might manifest it all about us. We need prayer to help maintain the strength and beauty of that light. In addition to that, we know also that Satan, as that great enemy, is one who walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, First Peter 5, verse 8. Given that he's all about us in terms of that enemy, how much more do we need prayer to help us make sure we step the right way and in the right direction and so that we can avoid those fiery darts that he casts in our direction? That text of Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10, describes the fact that we are ordered and commanded by God that we are to stand and having done all to stand. How often do we need prayer to help make sure we stand and not faint, not fall, not wonder? Perhaps also in a final way, isn't it true that the roadway to heaven is both straight and narrow? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, made this statement. And how often it rests upon our mind as a powerful challenge. Enter ye in, he said, at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth into life, and few there be that find it. If it is the case that few find it, and if it's straight, and if it's hard, and if it's challenging, do we not again need the element of prayer even from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to help us find the nourishment and strength spiritually needed to help us walk that way in safety and in greatness? Our Savior taught a parable in Luke 18 beginning in verse 1. It's often called the parable of the unjust judge and the very first proclamation of it is that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That word faint means to lose heart to become discouraged. And don't we all know well that that's easy to do, isn't it? 
It's easy to be depressed and to become discouraged by what we see about us and often the onslaughts of loss and grief and difficulty. But Jesus said men ought to pray. Why? That they, in fact, might not faint. One of the avenues that then allows us to enjoy strength and to proceed onward is, in fact, prayer. I appreciate those songs, especially that Brother Adam has just directed us in. He didn't know that the title of today's lesson was going to be this. But did you notice some of the wording of that song 482, Sing and Be Happy? Part of the wording in verses 2 and 3 especially brought to our mind the hardships and difficulties, and yet prayer and happiness can still be known. And one of the thoroughfares of it is certainly this matter of prayer. Pray without ceasing, the famous refrain of 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17. I say all of that to remind us that prayer is a frequent topic in the New Testament, a constant reminder, and in fact, given that you and I are Christians, there are many things that can occupy our time in prayer. Here is just a brief list. By no means is it exhaustive. However, it does highlight some of the major categories, and before we look at the next element in the lesson, I thought it wise to at least mention some of these. As Christians, you and I are privileged to pray for and about many things. One that comes to mind is the lost. Those who at this point in their life are not in a relationship with God. They are lost and undone, and their soul at this point is in severe and serious danger of being eternally lost. Because unless something is done by them, it seems certain that at this point in disobedience, there is no hope for them. Paul did write in Ephesians 2.12 about an occasion and a time in which there were some who had no hope. They were without God. They were without Christ. They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. No hope they had. Doesn't it bring a tear to our eye when we contemplate that there was a time when you and I were that way? But thanks be unto God we've obeyed the gospel. Thanks be unto God, Christ's blood has been accepted by us and that we have obeyed in tenderness and in loving character that gospel plan of salvation. But oh, how many there are who have not made that decision. We as Christians can pray earnestly and fervently for them that they often will come to realize the decisions they've made in the current state in life. Not only that, you and I can pray in thanksgiving for the spiritual blessings that we enjoy. And aren't they many? Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That word all does remind us, doesn't it, that every spiritual blessing comes through Him. How thankful we can be for them. And one of them is the avenue of prayer itself. Perhaps in another way, we can be so very thankful for those special people who fill our lives. As we give thought to them, be it our husbands, our wives, our children, our parents, those close associates and relatives, they do mean so very much to us. In Job 1 verses 1 to 5, he was especially mindful of his family and how many of us also in prayer daily make mention of those people so near and dear to us. May we continue to do that, for that helps make an even stronger bond of relationship with them. We as Christians can feel sure God hears those prayers. He's promised He will, First Peter 3.12. Of 
In the fourth place, isn't it also true that our daily physical blessings, we too can be so thankful. When Jesus was teaching His disciples to pray in Matthew 6, 11, wasn't it true there He said, Give us this day our daily bread. He gave an inspired example of giving thanks for the physical occurrence of the food that we do enjoy. That's but one example of so many other physical things such as our shelter, our clothing, the things we otherwise enjoy. Maybe it's also the case that we can keep in mind our fellow brothers and our sisters in Christ. Thankful for the church, thankful for the, its nature and what it does and what it brings about. We here in a public way at Pippin are often thankful for each and every one of them. And may we in wisdom continue that and perhaps even in our personal prayer lives to make sure to incorporate and include them as well. It is though in light of that last one that I would invite us to give a more concerted consideration to it and to look over the next few moments at several areas in which you and I as Christians can and should pray for each other. As we look at the first one, isn't it certainly the case that it is possible that there might well be sin in the life of another Christian, sin that's known to others, sin of which others may well be aware. It is in instances like that that isn't it true prayer can be one element to which we turn our attention. Let's give a few words of thought about that and look at not only some examples, but even some New Testament teaching in that direction. First of all, in the Old Testament, we find the example of Daniel. In the ninth chapter of Daniel, we find almost certainly the greatest Old Testament prayer ever recorded. And in that chapter, we find words of Daniel, and we will but highlight a few of them. In verses 5, 8, and 9, in Daniel chapter 9, we have Daniel saying, We have sinned. Notice he didn't just include himself. He knew full well by that time that the children of Israel were guilty of sin and he confessed it, he was aware of it, and he prayed for it. He prayed that they might have the strength and the encouragement to deal properly with that sin and that things, of course, might redound unto God's glory as it was dealt with rightly. Ezra did something similar. We notice in the book of Ezra, specifically again in chapter 9, we find carefully in verses 5 through 10 statement where Ezra even lamented the fact that our sins have covered our heads. They have become so numerous and they have become so great that we're almost sinking under the weight of sin. It can well be true today, isn't it, that an individual that you and I know as a brother or sister in Christ may become guilty of sin. It again breaks our heart. Reminds us of Simon in the 8th chapter of Acts, doesn't it? Here was one who had been baptized, as we read in verse 12. But yet, almost immediately thereafter, he wished for something and wished to obtain what was not his to have. He wanted to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could lay on his hands and to impart that Holy Spirit. Peter challenged him immediately. And in fact, in verses 22 to 23, it was Peter who said, You're not in the right about this. Thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Simon understood the greatness of that statement. And he, in verse 24, said, Pray for me that these things might not come upon me. 
Isn't it true that you and I need the prayers of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Pray for me. I realize at this point that as one who attempts to preach, I certainly covet your prayers in that regard, that I might be able to speak the things that are needful, most of all the things that are truthful, and the things that can be of the most benefit to this congregation of people at Pippin. But not only that, our elders need our prayers, that their wisdom might lead us in the proper direction so that what decisions are made and the things that are done will in fact reach the most in terms of carrying out the work of God in this place. But even beyond those two examples, each of us as Christians find a careful means of praying for those that might well be in the attribute of sin. To pray that their decisions might be wise and they might come back to their first love and that the decisions they make will lead them back to the pathway of faithfulness. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. It's that part of the verse I would invite you to consider with me for a moment. It does say, pray one for another. So when a person has sin in his or her life and has made a confession of that, we can in fact feel the greatness of need to pray to God on their behalf. And maybe not just that one occasion when they've come forward, but that in the moments ahead and in the days ahead, that they might not fall back into that same way of life, that they might not in fact in weakness go back to what once was, but that they might continue to be faithful and continue to be strong. As we pray one for another... That prayer is a powerful thing. It in fact leads us to the next element in the lesson, strength to overcome temptation. It may be that that person has not yet fallen into sin, and all of us are though in the case of facing temptation. Every day, all the time, temptation is about us. Will we succumb to it, or will we in strength overwhelm it and overcome it? We need prayer to assist us in that ladder, do we not? Think with me just a few moments about the element I've listed at the bottom of that slide. It is so telling in Luke 22 that Jesus made this statement to Peter. Peter, and Jesus called him Simon on that occasion, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Jesus at that point knew something that was taking place in the realms beyond the physical. Peter, Satan is wanting you and he wants to have you, not to help your life, not to improve your life, not to encourage your spirituality. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to separate your life into its chaff, into its sunder, and to destroy and crush you. Isn't it amazing what the Lord said next? But I have prayed for you. Jesus didn't work a miracle. He said, I've prayed for you. Is there anything that you and I can do more powerful than praying for someone facing temptation, facing hardship, facing difficulty? Jesus gave us the inspired example in that regard, didn't He? I've prayed for you, Peter. Today, when you and I know of someone facing that terrible difficulty, whatever may come their way, may we pray for them. We have been asked, of course, and we did so earlier, to pray for the Crossman family in this great time of their trial. But there have been other families in days gone by, and we know them well. And we have struggled with them 
And we've prayed hours on their behalf. Let's continue to do that, for they need it. And it will do them good to appreciate that we love them so that we want to pray for them. As you see also at the bottom of that slide, there's an inspired example in the Thessalonian letters. In 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 9 through 12, we find there that Paul, also speaking on behalf of the greatness of prayer for the Thessalonian church and for what they could do, may we pray for our brethren in that same way. The strength and power available in it leads me to ask you to notice these comments at the top of that slide. We each know very well and we have experienced it as we've seen it in the lives of those who once were faithful. Sometimes a tragedy happens. Sometimes something occurs and they weren't ready to deal with it. And as a result of it, they slowly ebb into apostasy. They fall away from the faith. The time comes that they perhaps have little interest in the things of faithfulness. Maybe they begin to develop an attribute of they don't care. In time, of course, they drift away from the church completely. After all, what brought that on? That difficulty or that circumstance, that situation, whatever it may have been, led them to this place because they didn't deal with it in the way that they could have. May you and I pray for individuals that all of us might be able to face whatever is coming. We know not what tomorrow may hold. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth, to quote Proverbs 27.1. That's true for every one of us. I'm sure that when Mr. Crossman got up to go to work Wednesday morning, there was not the slightest thought, slightest indication of what was going to happen that day. Same thing could be said for every one of us. We get up and we proceed perhaps on a routine of a day and never give thought that that day might be our last. And it might be the last of someone we love and cherish. Are we prepared to deal in faith with whatever may come our way? If the Son of God was given to prayer, do you and I not need it? If a person of perfect life as He was given to prayer, do you and I not need it? In Mark 1.35, the text reminds us that the Lord rose up early before day and went out to a desolate place, a solitary place, in order to pray. We need the element and attribute of prayer so carefully in our life. May you and I also pray without ceasing. In the third place, and we hinted at this earlier in the lesson as well, wisdom. We need prayer to assist us as we petition God for wisdom that we might approach things rightly and that we might make those decisions that would be in the best example of living appropriately. We again have texts that remind us of this truth. In Colossians chapter 1 verse number 9, Paul prayed for the Colossian church, the members of that organization, the members of that body, that they might have wisdom and knowledge. You and I need that same attribute, do we not? We also need wisdom. So many times the decisions that come our way leave us with a question. What do I select? Which way do I turn? May we always remember that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps, Jeremiah 10, 23. 
Oh, how carefully we need wisdom. And wasn't it highlighted later in the Colossian letter? In Colossians 4, verses 6 through 8. As we petition God for wisdom, that we might have the proper sense, the proper direction, the proper movement through life, prayer is one way to help us keep grounded. Those who do not have humility and those who proceed to think too much of themselves often are not given to prayer for they don't think they need it. But to those who are godly and to those who are righteous and to those in humility, they know how carefully dependent they must be on the God of heaven. The apostles, in fact, give us an example of this very element. In Acts chapter 6, verse 6, we notice that even those early apostles, as they were given to direction, it says, they gave themselves to fasting and to prayer. Here were inspired men, though. Those apostles, they could impart the Holy Spirit by the laying on of their hands. They could work miracles, and yet they still prayed. You and I can't work miracles, but yet we can pray. Doesn't that highlight for us the power available in prayer? It might be that the greatest power of all to which you and I do not avail as much as we could would be the power in prayer. And we need to pray for each other. That each other may have wisdom. That each other may make the right decisions. That each of us may in fact make the right choices. Because how needful are those choices and how great is the power available in prayer. It is with all that in mind that there's a fourth thing for which we too can pray for each other. And this will be the last element in this list in our lesson this morning. Physical health. Isn't it true that as we are thankful for the health God has given us, that we too can continue to pray that He will bless us in those regards and allow us the strength and capability to do what we can in the service of His kingdom. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 25, Paul, in fact, was thankful for the physical health that he enjoyed, but he continued to pray that that might be a continuing matter. It is not selfish to pray for something like that because if we have an intent and a will to do God's will, that He might bless us with health, that that might be an accomplishment and that we might be able to continue in that effort and work Again, if that be according to the things of His will. It was true, wasn't it, in Acts the 12th chapter, that the church prayed for Paul's well-being. At that time, he was in a prison, and they feared his life would be taken because the king had already taken James's life, and it was his intent because he saw it pleased the Jews to take Peter's life as well. But the church was earnest in prayer on His behalf. Isn't it interesting that the church, above all the other things they could do, they gathered, they assembled, and they prayed. Today, is it, it is not at all inappropriate for us as a church if we were to choose to come together on a Friday night or Saturday night or some other time and devote time to prayer. That would not at all be inappropriate. Prayer for our nation... Prayer for the physical well-being of all of us. You'll notice in light of all of that, we see this statement in 3 John verse 2. It's a very touching statement in many ways. And on that occasion, the apostle of love had this to say, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, 
even as thy soul prospereth. There was John praying for the spiritual well-being, but the physical well-being of those individuals as well. You and I thus have again the license of the Scriptures that you and I may do the same. This particular lesson this morning that has reminded us about praying for each other, it has highlighted a number of features, not the least of which are these. It really is a privilege to pray. It is a privilege the world doesn't have. It's a privilege the unfaithful do not enjoy. It is a privilege that the faithful have, that their prayers are promised to come up as sweet-smelling incense before God, Revelation 8, verses 4 and 5. And as you and I avail ourselves of prayer, may we never forget that in James chapter 4, we're reminded that it is the Lord's will that must be paramount to pray that His will be done in all things. Even when you and I, by faith, may not understand all of its details, that nonetheless His will might be accomplished and that it might be done in all of its greatness. At this point, as we think about praying one for another, may we close this lesson this way and ask, Are you faithful? Am I faithful? There is nothing more important than that attribute. Above all things, it might be said, Are you a member? of the body of Christ. If you're not this day, then no doubt many throughout the months past have prayed for you that you would come to realize the decision that you have made, the current condition in your life, and that you would come to hear and to respond in faith to the gospel call of invitation. Today's the day. There will never be a better day than this one. The 25th day of March, 2012, may well be your spiritual birthday. The baptismal waters behind me are prepared and ready. If you are not a member of the body of Christ, the plan of salvation required of you is this. Believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, commanded of us in John 8, 24. Repent of the sins in your life. That is, understand that they are what drove Christ to the cross. They are what have separated you from God and they are what needs to be forgiven. Repentance means to turn aside from them, to do them no more with any habitual intent. That element of repentance commanded of us in Luke 13, 5. Finally, confess His name as the Son of God as exemplified in Acts 8, 37. And then be baptized simply, humbly for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, 38. If you have done that but have not been faithful, you need to come back to your first love so that again you can be reinstated to a position of justification and you too can then pray to God and know that your prayers will be heard. Because at this point, you're like the prodigal son who's a long, long way from home. Why not come home today? Brother Adam has chosen a song of encouragement and if we can be of assistance to you, we would invite you to come while together we stand and while we sing.